Hello everyone, welcome to the Layman's channel where once again today we are going to be examining the uh, book of Philippians chapter 3 where we are searching out some of the keys that will enable us to stand firm in these last days. Uh, so before we get into the Bible study then uh, let's pray. Father we want to thank you for the mighty things that you are doing in our hearts and in our lives. We want to thank you Lord God for the wonderful way in which you are drawing us closer to you in these last days and father even though we may go undergo many trials and tribulations lord god and many difficult circumstances lord we can rely upon you for lord you are always with us in the midst of trouble just as you were there with the three hebrew men in the fiery furnace lord god so lord we trust that you will be with us too and just as you delivered them lord we are looking for your deliverance too and Father, as we look at your word today, may your word become a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And Lord, as we uh, gain more understanding of it, Lord God, then may it bring light and life into our hearts and, and, and minds, Lord God. And, and our spirits, Lord, may be set free, Lord God, to really serve you in these last days. And Father, once again, I want to thank you for the great promise that you made me to anoint my lips to enhance the kingdom of God. And that, Lord God, that you would use me to flow through like a conduit. So, Lord, do those things, I pray, for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Uh, we are continuing our look at all the things we must leave behind us when Jesus makes us new creations in him. In our last study, we looked at leaving behind the bad things that we've done ourselves all that have happened to us as a result of the sinful actions of others. We briefly examine the lives of Paul and Peter and how their pasts could have had a drastic effect upon their lives had they not chosen to move on from them. Leaving behind our sinful pasts is one of the most essential things we, we have to do if we want to know how we can really stand firm in the Lord. King David was a man with a much checkered past, a flawed character who had done many bad things. And yet God could still call him a man after his own heart. And David could still write in Psalm 103 verses 10 to 12. When speaking about the Lord, he says this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. If God can do that for, the David, for David and the Israelites under the old covenant, how much more will he do that for us who are living in the new. As the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. Notice that phrase, cleanse our consciences. If there is one thing that we need to allow God to do in us in order to forget the bad things that have happened to us, it is to cleanse, all that we've done is to cleanse our 
consciences. And the only place to do that, as that scripture said, is through the blood of Christ Jesus when he died upon the cross for each of us. That's how our consciences are cleansed, in and through the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of the old saying, God has thrown our past sins and sin, sinful pasts into the deepest oceans and has erected a sign that says, no fishing. Today, um, I'd like to concentrate our study upon leaving behind the good things and even the blessings that have happened to us in the past. For I think that it's just as easy for us to choose to live there in the good things and the blessings as we choose to live in the bad. So let's read the scriptures together as we once again read from Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 to 14. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. The relationships that we have with our past lives colours everything we do and say. It causes us to react in certain ways to certain circumstances we might find ourselves in. It's very much like being attached to our past by a rope that's made out of thick elastic. You can move so far, yet before you know it, something happens to us and suddenly we find ourselves back at square one, dealing with the same things in the same ways that we've always dealt with them. Our pasts have taught us how to react. And I'm not just talking about the bad things that have happened to us either. Some of the good things that have happened to us have as much impact, especially to us as Christians, resulting in them being a hindrance as we attempt to move on and press on with Jesus. So how on earth can the good things and blessings we've received in the past hinder our walk with Christ Jesus? Simple. If you are living in the blessings of the past, you can easily become ineffective in living a life that will touch others 
in the here and the now. Your life becomes irrelevant to the people around you. Why? Because you're living back there when something good happened and we were fab. Those blessings can be a bondage that will stop you moving forward and pressing in. If all our concentration is taken up by the blessings of the past, then we take our eyes off of him who seeks to bless us today. This is what the Lord says in Isaiah 43 and verses 18 to 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? If there is one seven word phrase that sums up how the modern church and Christians get stuck in the blessings of the past, it's this. Remember, a seven word phrase. We've never done it like that before. We've never done it like that before. And that's the easiest way for a church and the Christians within it to get stuck in a spiritual rut. We naturally cherish and value, and quite rightly so, we value tradition. But traditions can tie us down in procedure when God wants to set us free so he can moving, move us into something that is both new and fresh and also relevant to the people. Let me illustrate. I once heard this story told by Judson Cornwall, a pastor, preacher and teacher um, who was in the USA. Unfortunately, he died in 2005. He went to a certain place to preach and teach. And during the corporate worship, a song was so anointed by the Holy Spirit that all sorts of things started to happen. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all uh, sung our hearts out to a song and suddenly the Lord starts to do things around us. And in this occasion, people were weeping, laughing, jumping up and down, being set free, falling on their faces before God. It was a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. He went back there the following year, Judson Cornwall, to the same church. And the music team played the same song. This time, though, it wasn't anointed by the Holy Spirit. But people were reacting in the same way as before. But there was no anointing. Yes, they were jumping up and down. Yes, they were crying out. Yes, they were doing all this, that and the other. But there was no anointing on the song at that time. They were living in the blessing of the previous year. And they got stuck in there. They were living in the blessings of the past. And they didn't have the discernment to know that God was wanting to do something new. They'd formed a tradition and, dare I say it, 
a superstition that had entrapped them into doing the same things over and over again in order to try and repeat an experience that God had only designed for them to enjoy once. They needed to move on, but they chose to live in the blessings of the past. Did you know that Methodism started out in the fires of revival. People from all over the UK wanted to hear John Wesley preach and they wanted to sing his brother Charles hymns. People were so desperate for the word of God that they even climbed trees in order to get a better view of the events. And when the Holy Spirit came you could apparently hear the thuds as these people fell out of the trees. Yet where is Methodism today? They're either stuck in the past in the late 18th century or they've been influenced and infiltrated by, I can't say this word, progressivism. They have a form of godliness but they deny its power and they deny the power that started that movement. They're either living in the blessings of the past or desperately trying to make it all about humanity and not about the God who started that movement in the fire of revival. They have not moved on in 200 years. Don't get me wrong. It's God's desire to bless every single one of us in ways that we have yet to think of or imagine. But he won't do it if we take those blessings and make doctrines, traditions, superstitions and religious rules out of them. If we think that if we don't do things in certain ways, God cannot bless us, then we are in bondage to tradition and the blessings of the past. It's dangerous to try and recapture the feelings of the old blessings that we have received. It's okay to remember with fondness the good times, and the testimonies that we have of God doing something wonderful and marvellous in our sight. And also in times of trouble when we're going through the mill. The good times can act as a reminder of how God can bless. But it's foolish to try and relive it. Especially when we serve a God of infinite variety, who says, as I've already quoted before, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Paul understood this which is why he listed all those things that he perceived as being good in his past in Philippians chapter 3. In verses 5 and 6, he tells us about those things that were good, that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based upon the law, faultless. 
all those things were good. It was good to be Jewish and have all those traditions. And Paul had the choice to either stay where he was or move on. He could have joined the other apostles in Jerusalem and spent the remainder of his days proselytizing the Jews. But that would have been the comfortable position to take. And he would have totally ignored what Jesus said to Ananias in the vision that God gave Ananias in Acts 9 verses 15 to 16. When God said to Ananias, but the Lord said to him, go, this man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. If Paul had stayed where he was, enjoying the blessings of being a Jew in Jerusalem, then would we even have the New Testament today? Who would he have written to if he hadn't gone to the Gentiles to preach the good news? Then we wouldn't have his epistles to Romans, to Corinthians, to Galatians, to Ephesians, to Philippians, to Colossians, to the Thessalonians, to Timothy, to Philemon, and to Titus. Would we have those today if Paul hadn't had moved on from the blessings of being a Jew in order to share those blessings with the Gentiles? He knew he was blessed to have been born a Jew. And yet he could also say this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. People of the Lord, my brothers and sisters, we must become a forward-thinking and a forward-looking and a forward-moving people who are unencumbered, unencumbered by the good and the bad things that have happened to us in the past. So let's remember with fondness the blessings that God has done in us and through us, but always remember that we are to be moving forward because there is more. God wants to teach us, to bless us, to do things in us and through us on a greater scale than he has already done. But he can't do it if we live in the blessings and the bad things of the past. So with that thought in mind, therefore my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for my joy and my crown. Forget your pasts and the bad things and the good things and the blessings that have happened. For doing so will enable you to stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. May God bless you and I'll see you next time.